Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'd like to bring a message today that should encourage and challenge our hearts going into the new year. That's right, 2024 is rapidly approaching. And so I thought the best place to do that, and really the only place to do that, is the Word of God. And one of the two Psalms that are the best for that is Psalm 19 or Psalm 119. And so I've chosen Psalm 19 today. I'm going to just share from God's Word one verse, but I want to read Psalm 19 for you to give you the full context of what I'll be talking about today. Psalm 19, the Word of God reads, beginning in verse 1, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run its course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. What a tremendous psalm this is. In looking at the fast approaching next year, 2024, I thought it'd be most appropriate to give our hearts a true challenge because I know for many of you, and I've heard from several of you, uh, that this it has been a hard year. In fact, it's been a hard year for me. And so I look forward to this new year with great anticipation of uh, what God might do. But in this particular psalm, this is a psalm that is unified theme, and it's that God has revealed himself and his glory. You see, everything we know about God, he gives to us. Everything we read about, he has revealed to us. You see, God has revealed himself and his glory in two ways. And the first six verses of this psalm give us that generally. And I just want you to, to hear this. And I don't take credit for putting all of these little uh, couplets together like this. I've got that from James Montgomery Boyce and Donald Gray Barnhouse and John MacArthur, three different writers. But here's what they say. First, in verses 1 through 6, he has revealed himself in his world. And then verses 7 through 14, and he's talking about Psalm 19, he revealed himself in his word. He has revealed himself generally in the world. He has revealed himself specifically in his word. 
First, there is the nonverbal revelation, and then there is the verbal revelation. That's the difference between this psalm. It's broken into two parts. There is an unwritten revelation in the first part and a written revelation in the second part. There is a revelation without words in the first part, and there is a revelation in words in the second part. And all through this, you see the theme throughout all of Psalm 19 is a unified theme. And that is God revealing himself in these two ways. You see, it is, it's a, I think it's, that's why it's such an impactful psalm. As we see, this is, this is a psalm that encourages our heart. This is a psalm that talks about his revelation and the glory of God seen through his creation and also seen in the written word of God. The first six verses of the psalm, which we're not going to cover, but it tends to, to focus on what God has done through his creation. He wants us to know that the heavens are declaring or shouting out the very glory of God. All of creation does that but he picks the microchasm that he knows no one can miss. You can look at the micro creation, but then somebody might miss that. So he takes that which is the most obvious, in fact, which is obvious to every human who has ever lived, the heavens, the heavenly bodies, and in particular, he looks at the sun. Interesting. But yet that's just the first six verses. Uh, as he focuses on different things, and I wish I had time to break all of this down, but I just simply do not. But as he gets into the end of the six verses and goes into chapter or the second part of this, which is verses 7 through 14, uh, this is not God's general revelation anymore, but now he's going to talk about his specific or special revelation. And I want you to catch this because if we're going to have a, a different kind of year this year, we're going to have to base it on the Word of God. And this is an encouragement for looking at the Word of God. This, in his, this is in his words, words that came from the mind of God through the writers of Scripture. This is enough to save the revelation of God in the world, enough to condemn, enough to damn. The revelation in the Word, sufficient to save, sufficient to save, according to Donald Gray Barnhouse. That's why I think the Bible says there's no salvation without it. There's no salvation without the gospel. There's no gospel without the written Word of God or of the Scriptures. We must have special revelation, specific words that reveal God's will, that reveal God's plan or God's purposes and God's way of salvation. And so this psalmist uh, shifts from the world to the word in verse 7. Now look at verse 7, how it starts. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. And so we find some words here, six statements. In a sense, they're parallel statements, six different lines of thought uh, that go like this. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous all together. You see that in verse uh, 7 through 9? And that's what we have here. We have six different statements that we're going to call parallel statements. Now notice 
each of them says, it, 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 with it, it says, of the Lord, like the law of the Lord, or the tes testimony of the Lord, the precepts. So you find of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord, six times in these verses. The covenant name of Yahweh, God, the Creator, is used. Why? Because Scripture comes from God. It is the Word of God. It is God-breathed, especially according to Timothy, who says that. So, it's God's breathe. God has spoken. In fact, we, we say all the time, God's word, when God's word, when the word of God speaks, God speaks. And so that's what we have to, to, to realize. When the Bible speaks, that's God speaking. All scripture is God breathed. The Lord is the source so unmistakably that is repeated six times so you can't miss it. That's what this psalmist is doing for us. A little repetition is good for us here. This is what the Jews always believed. This is what Christians have always believed, that this is not a human book. It is a divine book. And so what better way to challenge our hearts in the new year that's coming up in just a day or two than to go to this book that is not a human book but is a divine book. Now, I want you to notice also there are six titles for Scripture here, beginning in verse 7 and going through verse 9. There's six different words used for Scripture here. It's called law, testimony, precepts, commandment, fear, and judgments. Now, of course, we could take the parallel passage to this, which is Psalm 119, and we can look at all of the different words used for God's Word there. In fact, I've even said teaching from Psalm 119. You can take any of those and substitute the, the very words that say the Word of God says, and you come up with the exact same meaning. But here there are six characteristics of Scripture. And it says, just generally in verses 7 through 9, God's Word is, is, it is perfect, it is sure, it is right, it is pure, it is clean, it is true. Now, I can't think of anything I need more in 2024 than a book or writings that are characterized as perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. Some have called these six benefits. Listen to this, what comes next. These are six benefits. It restores my soul, makes wise the simple, rejoices the heart, enlightens the eyes, endures forever, produces comprehensive righteousness. Now, what's he doing there? He is describing God's word. He says God's word is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean truth. And here's what God's word does. Now, think about, as I read these again, Think about your next year, 2024, for you. Don't think about anything in the past. Don't think about 2025 or something way down the road. Think of only this next year. Do you want these benefits from a book that you probably have in your home? You may have it right now in your hand. But would you like these benefits from God's Word? Restores the soul, makes wise the simple, rejoices the heart, enlightens the eyes, endures forever, 
and produces comprehensive righteousness. One person has said this about this section, verses 7 through 9. This is an absolutely stunning summation of the full sufficiency of the Word of God. That is absolutely correct. Absolutely stunning summation of the full sufficiency of the Word of God. It is paralleled by the by what I have already mentioned, Psalm 119. Here is God's own word concerning his word. Now that's interesting, isn't it? This is God's word given to us, and it pertains to or concerns his word. You think God might want us to read his word? What better way to comfort our hearts today than to think about his word next year. In other words, I don't know how much time you spent in God's word this year. Perhaps it was a little, perhaps it was a lot. Perhaps you had a, a try to read through the Bible goal for the year. Well, most people who set that goal don't meet it. But if you'll set simpler, reachable goals, like I want to try to read God's word in the mornings or in the evenings or in the afternoons, as many days as I possibly can, so that I might gain these benefits and that it might restore me, make me wise, rejoice my heart, enlighten my eyes, endure forever and produce comprehensive righteousness. So I want to begin looking at this. Look at verse 7, would you? If you've got your text, and I'm in Psalm 19, let's just break down verse 7. You can see by the speed at which I'm going, I couldn't cover all of this. But you can. You can read this and challenge your own heart this next year. Beginning now, today, tomorrow, and the next day. The new year doesn't start till, what, Monday? And so we have a little bit of time just to say, Lord, prepare my heart for this new year. So look at verse 7. It says here, the very first part, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. You see that? This is a divine instruction. This is God's word telling us something about his word. He says the law of the Lord. Now, specifically, that probably refers to the Torah or the Ten Commandments. But it's generally speaking about all of the word of God. We can generally say this in relation to these titles that God's Word has. All of these, each one of these refers to the entire written Word of God. So you can say, the Word of God, this is how you can read verse 7, the Word of God is perfect, restoring the soul. And we see divine instruction, identifying Scripture as divine instruction. Scripture is God teaching man all that he needs to know to live life to its fullest. Now, I want to stop right there. Is that not what would be a good goal for our heart next year? Is it, Father, I pray that I might be able to, through the written word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you might teach me this year how to live life to the fullest. That might be a good thing. So this is divine instruction. Look at this year coming up, 2024, and your Bible. Look at your Bible as perhaps a manual sent by God so that you might know 
how to make right choices, how to make right decisions, how to think correctly this next year. Living life to the maximum, a complete explanation of God's will for man's life, I need this next year. This is what Scripture is promising you. God doesn't lie about his word, does he? And by the way, all those different titles like law, testimony, precepts, commandments, fear, judgments, those are like looking at, 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 at a diamond, let's say, from six different angles, six different ways. Now, I know you, you see this. You, you understand that when you, uh, we first become a Christian, we begin to see God as our Savior. Uh, and then as we go through some of the trials, I'm just giving you a sample here. As we go through some of the trials or burdens, we, be we begin to see that God is not just our Savior. He is our comforter. Or we go through more times or difficulties, and we begin to see He is my strength. Uh, then you might go through other things, and then you begin to realize, well, God is not just my comforter and my strength. God is my encouragement or God is my hope, or God is my joy. And I think that's what this is looking at. Law, testimony, precepts, commandments, fear, and judgments are all different ways to look at the Word of God. That's why we see those same six words repeated throughout all of Psalm 119. Over and over, they always refer to the Scriptures. Always we can take any of those phrases and substitute the phrase, the word of God, for any of them. So look at what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. You see that in verse 7. Well, I haven't left it yet. I've only looked at the law. But it says, what do you mean by perfect, pastor? What is that word perfect? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. It means lacking imperfection. It doesn't have any imperfections in his word. Remember, remember, remember now, this is the word of God testifying or giving us encouragement about the word of God. That's true. There's no imperfections in the word of God. There's not a book you're going to pick up this next year other than like the Bible. There's not a book anywhere like the Bible. There's not a book that doesn't have any imperfections. But it's more than, than not having perfect, imperfections. This is not perfect as opposed to imperfect. I want you to see this as perfect as opposed to incomplete. In other words, the Hebrew term has the idea of comprehensiveness. The idea is, as one lexicon or, 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 or translation puts it, it's all-sided. All-sided so as to cover completely all aspects of a thing. Now, don't we need that this year? Don't we need a book, a Word of God, that can look at all the aspects of my life this year, day by day, through all of the, the comprehensive struggling moments I might have, through the judgments, through the decisions, through all of the opinions that are going to be coming at me all year? The Hebrews would use this when they were meaning to say nothing can be taken from the Word of God. Nothing can be added to it. It's everything it needs to be. You know, if there's anything we can, we can understand the Word of God to be, and that would be this. 
God's word is everything it needs to be. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? It's everything it needs to be. Whatever I need it to be for the moment I'm looking at its word, it can be that. If I need hope, if I need encouragement, if I need joy, if I am depressed, if I am angry, if I am harboring bitterness, God's word is what I need. It's exactly what I need. It is everything it needs to be. Then, intent is the idea that it lacks nothing, but more importantly, that it possesses everything. It is comprehensive, flawless. It is every single thing that I need. A flawless set of instructions. Think about that. How many times have you gotten instructions from something? Uh, let me ask you this. How many times have you gotten instructions on how to use your own iPhone or your Android? We don't even get those anymore. They just want you to pick it up. And they assume everybody knows everything. But we don't. I've always said they sell smartphones to dumb people. And they don't even give us instructions anymore. So our need is to look to the Word of God, even though we may not realize we need it. The idea is that this Word lacks nothing. It possesses everything. It's comprehensive. It's a flawless set of instructions, completely sufficient for men for one end of the another. In other words, it's completely sufficient for your heart. Now look at what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. What soul? What is the soul? Well, the, you know, sometimes, a lot of times I don't give you the Hebrew word or the Greek word because the saying the Hebrew or the Greek word just doesn't, it doesn't add to the message. But I can tell you this. The Hebrew word here for soul has about, 18 to 21 different ways the Word of God translates that one word. You can find all kinds of English words in all different English translations. Take any translation, look at it, and you'll find probably three or four. Like this word for soul here in this <coughs> text has been translated several times in the Bible as, as soul or person or self or mind or heart, all kinds of ways. But they all refer to that inner person as opposed to the flesh, body, the outward. They all refer to the real person of the heart. That's what it's talking about, divine instruction for the heart. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Look at how it says it. The Word of God, I mean, it says the law of the Lord, but we can substitute the Word of God, is Complete, comprehensive, restoring the heart or the mind. Think about that. In fact, if you want to here, instead of thinking soul, because that might be a bit ambiguous to you, think about your mind. Just put mind in there. It's translated mind several times. They all refer, refer to that. That's what it's talking about. Scripture is divine instruction, fully comprehensive and flawless for the inner person or the inner heart or the mind of the individual. Now, Scripture is not intended 
for some things that we might think it is. The, the scripture's design is is to target all of its power. And one of these days, I'm going to have to give you a message on the power of God's Word. But it, it targets all of its power, its energy, right at the inner person, right at that soul or that mind or that self. And what does it do? It restores it. It restores our soul. Now, I don't know what you need this next year. I don't know what you needed this year. But did you have the Word of God to draw upon? Or were you forced in your own lifestyle to live up to your own consultation, your own mind, your own wisdom, telling you how to comfort, how to, to cheer yourself up, or how to be more positive? when you could have gone to the Word of God and had it restore your soul. You may have something uh, different in your translation. It may uh, have a word that means transform your soul. That's what some translations say. But the, script, the Scripture from the Lord is divine instruction so that it complete, it can tr totally transform the entire person. That's what one line is saying here in Stunning line. That's what this is saying here in this one verse, first, verse, very first part of verse 7. The scripture utterly sufficient for the transformation, restoration, for the perfection, the conversion, the salvation of that inner self. That's what it's saying. The Bible is always targeting the soul. When the soul is transformed, behavior follows. That's always going to be the case. If the soul or the heart and the mind is transformed, guess what? Your behavior changes. That's why Peter says in the New Testament, a parallel to this, being born again, that's regeneration, that's soul transformation, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, by the word of God. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Transformation, new birth, regeneration comes by the Word of God. And that's the Word we want being poured into us. That's the exact Word we want being poured into us. It is the Word. It is God's Word. It is an amazing statement in verse 7. If you want your inner person this next year in 2024 totally transformed, if you want your life to be at the hands of the Holy Spirit with the work of the Word of God, the power of God's Word, the encouragement of God's Word, the, the availability of the Word of God to transform your whole being or to restore your soul, then you are going to have to spend time in God's Word. That's pure and simple. That's pure and simple what you are to do. I can't think of an easier way to say that than to say it just like I said it. You are going to have to spend time in God's Word if you want this to be characteristic of your life this next year. It's just plain and simple. But let me take you to another passage. And it's found in 1 Peter. It says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and guile, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect 
to your salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord or since you have tasted the goodness and the kindness of the Lord. And here's what that is saying. You take what Peter says and what Psalm 19 verse 7 says, and here's what you get. This is our challenge for the new year. You are to crave. You are to long. You are to desire. You are to want God's word more than anything this next year. And I promise you this. If you will crave God's word, get into God's word, and begin to realize that all of what Psalm 19 says about God's word is going to be true, and you're going to see it evidenced in your life, I promise you, you will come to next December, and you will not be disappointed. Now, I'm not saying, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you're not going to have any problems. I'm not saying that someone... Uh, you may not have uh, difficulties. I'm not saying you're not going to have struggles or suffering even. But I am going to say that God's word will be all that you need next year. Let God's word be all that you obviously need for the year. Even though we don't know what we're going to need all year, God does. Let him speak to you this next year using his word, the power of the Holy Spirit, to your own quiet time, to your mind, to your soul. Let your soul be restored or totally transformed in such a way that you will simply be willing and capable and able to simply bow and bless the Lord. You've been listening to William Rogers. This is a challenge for my heart as well as it is a challenge for your heart. I know that most people who really need this challenge will probably never hear this message. But you've heard it. I challenge you to simply go back and read Psalm 19. If you have more time, turn over to Psalm 119 and begin reading that. Let God bless your heart. If there's a prayer you can pray today and for the new year, pray this. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, I might know him and the power of his resurrection, that I might be able to understand more of his word. Let God bless you this year. Thank you.